Well, hey, everybody. Uh, good to be with you. Uh, we're going to jump right in here. So three quick verses from John chapter 11 says this. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. Okay, so uh, we have been looking at the traditional Advent themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. And also we're seeing how they align with John chapters 10, 11, and 12. Um, today we are looking at the theme of peace and John chapter 11. So, peace. Uh, the Hebrew word for peace, it's like, it's all-encompassing. So it means peace that is in and over everything. And so the image is, is kind of one of like all the pieces fitting together, everything aligned, working as one, seamless integration everywhere. And that, that of course is great and makes sense. But if I can be honest here, it's also a kind of annoying because it is, um, it is easy for me to imagine a future reality with that where everything just fits together right. Um, a future reality when God has come and renewed everything. Um, it's a huge struggle for me to feel like we can pull very much of that at all into our current and thoroughly busted reality. That's a struggle I have with the concept of peace. Here's another one. Um, I don't even know how to go for it. Like, like what do you, what do, you do to, to get peace? Do you, uh, do you accept peace? Or do you fight for it? Do you, do you receive peace? Or do you work for peace or make peace? And, and like, because I'm a Christian, am I really supposed to just have it? <laughs> or somehow live in it or, or go in it? And all that language, it gets, it gets frustrating because I don't think we know. And it's frustrating because those things do make sense. Like it's yes to all of those things. And to my ears though, being told to try everything to get peace, that doesn't sound like too many instructions. That sounds like no instructions at all. And the fact is we're, we're all so desperate for this peace stuff, um, but it's also elusive. And, and the instructions they do to me, they feel so vague when, when somebody tells me to go in peace or to be at peace or to have peace or accept peace or whatever, like to that, I mean, my heart says, yes, amen. But my, my brain is protesting and saying, how? Like I'm totally on board for having it and receiving it, fighting for it and living in it and whatever else I'm in, but how? And honestly, it kind of, it feels like chasing a ghost. And, and if you think about it, like chasing a ghost, maybe you get close enough, often enough to keep believing that you can actually find it and maybe you don't. So that's the, that's the tension I, I feel. Now, hold on to that. Um, as you all know, we've got this puppy now, um, Tyson. And <laughs> one day, uh, my son Bryce taught Tyson how to, to sit and it worked uh, really well. So he actually, he learned it pretty fast, like, like actually just in a couple of minutes. And so Bryce did what I would have done in that case. He just taught him another trick and then another trick. And he taught him four tricks in the space of about an hour. So it was, it was sit and it was shake and it was sit pretty, which is sitting up on two legs and it was lay down. Um, and it was awesome. Um, it was like, it went so fast. Um, 
the, the only problem is because Tyson learned them all together, like all kind of at once, and because any of those four things would get him a treat, um, they all blurred and he got really confused. And so now whenever we take out a treat, the poor little dog, he like starts frantically cycling through all four of the tricks. He sits, he stands, he shakes, he lays down just over and over again, desperately trying to get us to give him a treat. And it's, it's, it's kind of cute. I'm kind of glad it happened. Um, but it's also kind of pathetic as he just, he's trying so hard to get what he wants. Like, what do you want me to do? What do you want any, I'll do whatever if you'll give me that treat. Now, look, um, I think that similarly, many of us have heard about Christianity providing this peace and we're so desperate for it that we end up just like cycling through every religious trick that we know, trying to get what we want. It's like, okay, whatever you, I'll, I'll go to church. Is that going to do it? What if I pray? What if I pray a lot? What if I read the Bible? What if I give away some money? Is that going to do it? Like I will do anything to get some peace. And I think we end up missing the point of all of those things and also probably not finding any peace either. Um, <laughs> I, I officiated a funeral recently and I shared this frustration, which for me is, is pretty intense. Like how am I supposed to tell people who are grieving how to go find peace that, that feels that feels vague to me now speaking of funerals we're in john chapter 11 and in john chapter 11 jesus goes to a funeral um, for his friend lazarus and when he gets to this funeral um, he finds people busy doing what they do when they're trying to cope with loss. So if you've been to a funeral, like some people are eating, some people are really busy just trying to figure it out, make it all go. Some people are intentionally talking about Lazarus. Other people are intentionally talking about anything but Lazarus. And some people are weeping and some people are inconsolable. And here's the thing, theoretically, they're all trying to do whatever they know to do in order to get some measure of peace while they're grieving. Now, Jesus comes to this funeral, and as you probably know, he came in order to raise Lazarus from the dead, okay? He was, he was about to turn the funeral into a party, and he knew it. Like, it was all going to be okay. But, before any of those theatrics, um, Jesus went and found Mary, who was in complete agony. Um, and Jesus sat down next to her, and he wept with her. He, he entered into her grief, which is a really important concept um, for us to hold on to. He entered into her grief. Um, now, you can't miss this, so, so lean in. Um, Jesus knew it was all going to be okay, all right? He knew the party was about to begin, but Jesus still sat with her and wept with her. Listen, just because things are going to be okay doesn't mean that they are okay. If you ever thought about this, but we, we tend to comfort the grieving reflexively but with, shh, 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 it's okay, it's okay. So we shush them in, in order to 
stop the expression of the grief, and then we tell them that it's okay when it's not. Now, we know it will be okay. Jesus is renewing all things, but it's not okay in that moment. And here, Jesus knew for a fact that things were about to be a whole lot better and soon, but he did not shush her and tell her it was okay when it wasn't okay. He sat down and he wept with her. I want you to think about this. Guys, if God didn't comfort us whenever he knew that things were going to work out, then he would literally, think about it, he would literally never, ever comfort us. Um, Jesus knows that all things are being worked out. He knows that he is making all things new. And because of that, he knows things are coming together. They are culminating. His plan is coming to fruition. But he also knows that we are finite. And he understands what it's like to live in that and, and that just because things are going to be okay doesn't mean that they are okay. And so he sits with us and he weeps with us. And he makes sure that we never, ever have to, never, ever have to mourn alone. Now, again, Jesus knew he was about to raise Lazarus, um, but he was still deeply sad. And the Bible also says that he was really angry. Now, the, the English translations tend to downplay uh, what uh, the Greek actually says, uh, which is that Jesus was boiling with rage. Like, he was angry at death itself, um, which is our great enemy. And think about it, he is moving in to strike against it. So picture this, he is heading to the tomb and he's doing that like determined speed, speed walk thing that we do when you're headed into a fight and no one's gonna talk you out of it. So that's where he's at. Let me ask you something. Here we have Jesus who is, as the famous Christmas passage says, he is the Prince of Peace. And he is weeping with sadness. And he's boiling with rage. And we probably all know about that thing, that like all-consuming thing that happens when really deep sadness and furious rage collide inside of us all at once. Like it's a whole thing, right? And, and that's where Jesus is in John 11. So here, here's my question. Was he at peace in that moment? Or do negative emotions, hard emotions, mean that we don't have peace? Think about it. You know, uh, for years and years, my method of, of getting peace was to try to feel stuff less intensely. Okay? I like to to put the negative emotions away as soon as possible. And I thought that that was working for peace. I was wrong. The Prince of Peace, our Savior, he, he did no such thing. He, he felt all of the anger. He felt all of the sadness and all of the pain. I want you to remember, Jesus refused the drink that was offered to him on the cross that could have dulled the pain. He did not find peace by numbing anything. He did not find peace by pretending that things were okay when they weren't 
okay. He found peace in his knowledge that he was putting things back together. That things are going to be okay. Here's the thing. Jesus was at peace when he marched to Lazarus' tomb with his, his fists clenched with just fury and his eyes were blurred with tears. He was at peace, and not because things were okay, but because he was about to make them okay. He was at peace because, as he said earlier to Martha, he's the resurrection and the life. And he was at peace. To take the most extreme example, he was at peace when he hung on a cross, when he was convulsing in pain and and grasping uh, for breath and his lungs were filling up with blood. Not because it was okay, but because he was making all things new. Being at peace does not mean the absence of unpleasant emotions or pretending things are okay, are okay when they aren't. Being at peace is more about knowing that the Prince of Peace enters into all of those hard emotions with you and knowing that he's made a way for us one day to be free from all of it. Now look, I... To be honest, I still really struggle with this sort of this vague thing about getting peace. And again, it still feels like chasing a ghost to me. I don't I don't know, maybe I should, but I don't know how to find peace or have peace or accept peace or to go in peace. Uh, like it's like peace is something I have to remember to pick up on my way out. Like I mean they they all make I don't know, that makes some sense to me, but I can't really get my head around um, really any of those concepts. I can't get a good grip on them. Hopefully you're better at it than I am. Uh, But there is one of those phrases that I feel like I can get a hold of. And it's this, it's this idea that we we should know peace. Because it's as I said at that funeral a couple of weeks ago, Peace is not a state of mind or a state of being. It is, peace is not a great set of circumstances, you know? I mean, we should know this. Like, people with great circumstances lose their peace all of the time, while people who are facing terrible circumstances somehow manage to hold on to it. Peace is not a state of mind or a state of being or a great setup. Listen, peace is a person. Peace is Jesus. And again, to be honest, I don't really know how to find peace or choose peace or accept peace, but I can run to Jesus. I know how to do that. And Jesus is peace. And he's not abstract. He's, he's not a concept to me. He's, he's my savior. He's my king. He's my best friend. I, you know, I, I can't make myself feel okay when I'm, when I'm grieving or scared or angry and, and my brain wants to panic or, or to numb out or explain it all away. Like I, I don't have any tips or tricks for any of that, but I do know how to turn to Jesus. And when, when I don't have peace, he is peace. And listen, I just, I think that works. If you're anything at all like me, then you can't just conjure up peace in the midst of a storm. You can't summon it. But, but you can go to Jesus, and he will either calm that storm, or he will sit with you and hold you until it passes. And either way, that's peace. 
Now, um, I, I recognize, stay with me here, that me saying, turn to Jesus, might sound as vague to you as saying, find peace. Um, and, and honestly, I only have my experience to address that. Um, and here it is. I have tried so many times to, to find peace or to have peace or to get peace. And I've just never managed it. It's just never worked. Um, but anytime I have ever turned to Jesus in any way, he's always been right there. So if, if I turn to him in prayer or worship or in confession or in desperation or in anger or in confusion or in mourning or in grief or in joy, he's always there. I don't know how exactly to tell you to turn to Jesus except to say, hear me, that any sincere attempt to do so will be accepted. Any attempt to move in his direction will be warmly received by him. If a sincere person tries to turn to Jesus, no matter what they do, it will work. Because, here's the secret, the sincerity is actually all he needs. And I, I love Revelation 3 says it so very plainly. He the, paints the picture. He is standing outside, knocking on our door, waiting to be let in. There are no tricks to turning to him. It is only the choice to do so. And hear me, all attempts from there are successful. Look, maybe you can't go and find peace, but you can know him. And he is available. And I hope that you will. Amen.